broadcasting from Chico, California. This is the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast, where we discuss NorCal fly fishing, guiding, fishery science and management, conservation, and more. Know better, fish better. Here's your hosts, Chad Alderson and Nick Hanna. This episode of the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast is brought to you by California Trout. Working throughout the state to ensure we have resilient wild fish thriving in healthy waters for a better California. Support Caltrout's innovative science-based work by becoming a member or donating today at caltrout.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special on-the-water episode of the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nick Hanna. I'm here with uh, Chad Alderson and Reggie Collins. Reggie, how you doing, man? With Caltrout. Yeah, yeah, doing great. It's good to be on the water. We, uh, yeah, yeah. Not catching any fish. <laughs> Reggie, Reggie went and stopped at a sushi place off 99, and I had a frozen burrito. Chad, I don't know what you had, but if we cut this uh, podcast short, there's a, re- there's a reason for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got we a clean water act. We got to abide by it. So. <laughs> <laughs> very true, very true. We're out here on the Sacramento River. We came out to do some uh, striper fishing and um, and, and talk, uh, talk cow trout with Reggie and fishing's been a little slow so we decided to take a pause and chat it up with you so uh tell the tell the folks a, a little bit about yourself introduce yourself and tell us how you got in, introduced to caltrout yeah sure um you know i grew up in california spent most of my life in san francisco and um most of my summers on the Truckee river and so had a really good uh breakdown of um you know city and and mountain life um which i thoroughly enjoyed and then um, got to spend my, uh, my college years out in Washington, D.C., which I enjoyed. Um, took about three years off after, after college. Um, started with a job that I uh, didn't love. I thought finance was the way to go for a little bit there. So I ended up in working for uh, Credit Suisse, which was the only bank that was criminally charged after the, the, oh, wait, after the 08 recession. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, Got out of there. Um, <laughs> I could do a whole show around that. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, so we, uh, so I took two years. I worked in um, actually kind of international development in Ghana uh, with my wife. Well, how many years did you spend in jail first? Yeah, no kidding. I snuck out of there. Why do you think I got out early? <laughs> Managed nice. to sneak out. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, I knew I wanted to go to law school all throughout college, but um, I was just knew I was going to burn out if I went too quick. So came back to San Francisco, um, went to USF for for three years, uh, worked for the Nature Conservancy during that time, um, a couple other nonprofits, interned for them, and then, yeah, ran into uh, ran into Curtis, who's now my boss in the ED, and we hit it off, and um, yeah, started there about three years ago. I think it's cool that uh, and you you lived down in the city, and you decided to kind of like that city city life wasn't for you, and now you're living closer up to to Mount Shasta. Yeah, it's kind of where Curtis started his all his. You know his show for Caltrout, so it's that's yeah. interesting. I just and, had a, a buddy call me today, and he's like, hey, "Can I get internet in the sticks in in uh, Chico?" I'm like, mm, "What kind of internet? Like, <laughs> what what do you mean?" And he's like, "Well, I'm down in LA, and me and the wife and kids are thinking about getting GTFOing out of here, right?" So he's like, "You know, there, there's a lot of people." I oh, guess yeah. my point is, there's I think especially in the context of COVID, there's a lot of people in a similar situation as him right now. 
and they're like they're looking to get out of those those dense urban areas and and it's really interesting how and the effect that it's going to have on the outdoors ultimately when they figure out that there's stuff to do that's outdoors all these i would say expats from from the urban areas right yeah absolutely yeah i mean you know i when i started with caltrout i think i i tried to make it as clear as possible that um you know, I love San Francisco, but we do amazing work around the state, and our field offices are, you know, really the heartbeat of Caltrout. So, um, you know, I wanted to get out of there. So it took me a couple yeah. years to do it, but managed to make it up to Mount Shasta. That's cool. Yeah. What's your favorite fishery up there? Definitely the McLeod. I mean, it's yeah. it's pretty much everyone's, I'm sure. But, yeah, I mean, the first, you know, I, we were talking about this earlier, but the, right after my exams and my first year in law school, I just... I just got in my car and drove up to the McLeod for the first time and just fell in love with it. It was my first time up there. And it's pretty insane, right? Yeah. It blew my mind for sure. Yeah. Heard great things. And yeah, it's amazing. Amazing fishery. Right, my, my first time on the McLeod was with Nick and another guy who we call the Pikey from the, from the movie, uh, what was it? Fight Club. Cause he, <laughs> he talks like the Pikey sometimes, mm-hmm. um, under certain conditions. And, <laughs> we uh, we went up there. It was like I believe it was August, right, Nick? It was just hot, hot as hell, super hot. And um, we hiked all the way down the rope and then fished back up. And um, we just absolutely slayed that day. And I'm like, I'm coming here every weekend. And they're they, these guys are like, it's not like this every time. You, you, normally we get on, and and it, it was just a cool experience. Like your first time up there and you're you know we, i think i personally caught at least, i think two browns and you caught like three or four and we had like an eight nine fish day right yeah that's, big that's amazing yeah um it's just a really special place you know everything about it from how the water <laughs> color happens to just the amount of fish that are in there and the quality of fish it's yeah it's unbeatable yeah it's really cool yeah certainly in california i think it's i haven't been up there yet this year yeah I had one day I snuck out, I got burned out and, and played hooky for a day and it's just the best place to clear your mind for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, give us a, a thousand foot view of what your role is at Caltrout and, and how you help with places like, yeah, the, like the McLeod. And, and why would a, why would Caltrout need a lawyer for God's sake? <laughs> yeah, those are good I questions. Think, I think, yeah, a lot of people don't understand that there's how much legality is involved in uh, litigation and the policy issues that you deal with and, yeah. I think it'd be cool to understand or get to know. Sure. Yeah. So I oversee our policy and legal departments. And so, um, you know, we call that generally the advocacy arm of Caltrout. And it's been, you know, it's been part of the organization since we started, you know, in 1971, um, you know, really started with the Wild and Scenic Rivers Act, the state Wild and Scenic Rivers Act, where, um, you know, you designate these these key watersheds throughout California that, you know, deserve protecting um you know, and, and deserve highlighting, you know, more than anything. Um, Caltrout was really influential in the catch and release uh, kind of movement, different watersheds, which I think is, is great. Um, you know, in those legal cases like the Mono Lake decision, um, with, uh, which really set the precedent for the public trust doctrine. What happened with Mono Lake? So for those that don't know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for, uh, you know, the uh, east, east side, you know, the eastern Sierras down the Owens Valley used to be a, you know, lush, beautiful uh, valley. Um, and, you know, throughout the growth of Los Angeles and through pretty nefarious dealings from uh, Los Angeles Department of Water and Power, uh, which is, a, I think, an important name for them, makes it a lot of sense. They drive around in vehicles that say water and power, which I think is a pretty pretty strong sentiment. Is this because the first order was taken as a name? 
Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I think that's probably right. They were kind of itching to find the right nefarious name. But anyway, um, L.A. You know, took a lot of that water in that basin, really dried up what was a really productive ecosystem. And in order to protect Mono Lake itself, um, which is you know uh, a, a beautiful landmark of California, I think a lot of people know it, um, LADWP, you know, we're continuing to try to take as much water out of there as possible. And, um, you know, this novel legal decision, which is the uh, using the public trust doctrine, which was actually, you know, developed by uh, the Romans. And it's the principle that um, natural resources are held for the public, that should be used for the public, should be used for fishing, for swimming, for recreation, for boating. And, you know, the citizens of California deserve that right. Um, and so Caltrout, along with the Mono Lake Committee and others, um, won a series of decisions that cemented the fact that, or cemented the idea that, you know, municipalities or water users or, you know, whoever wants to target certain bodies of water can't just drain it for their own benefit. So that was a, a really monumental decision that still carries a ton of weight today. Huh. And I'm sure everybody in Northern California was pretty stoked about that decision because they could sell their water down south. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It definitely, it definitely precipitated the movement of water down south for no sure. Pun intended. Yeah, exactly. As we sit on one of the best salmon holes in the Sacramento River, and twelve thousand CFS is is going by us, you know. And yeah. The GCID Canal is not far from here that gets you know sidetracked where, where I was told GCDI whatever GCID I can't say it um, <laughs> it is like one of the major water sources for Southern California it's like where a lot of the water gets shunted into the into the canal the, yeah right? is that right yeah yep it feeds I a lot of water down that. south there's yep. a ton of water that goes through there it's crazy it's like it it just forks basically and and um, there's a it looks like there's like this little miniature dam just above Hamilton City which is kind of like I don't know if you guys are going up I five on your way to Reading or or Red Bluff or whatever. It's kind of like due east of Orland. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of out that way, guys. For just a geographical reference, but yeah, it's it's quite a waterworks project up here. And you're not supposed to take boats in there, but I've seen boats in there before. Yeah, interesting. What are we catching there? Yeah, yeah. There's you know the, so those are those major you know, hallmark kind of Caltrot decisions and, and, you know, we try to carry it on today. And so we have a, you know, we have a lobbyist, um, we have a lobbying team, you know, we, we, uh, you know, talk with and are, are friends with and, and sometimes opposition to a lot of state legislators, which is, you know, an interesting position for Caltrot to be in. I think an important one. Um, and then on the legal side, you know, we try to fight those battles that um, are productive. I think there's a lot of folks that, that fight the good fight, which I'm extremely, you know, happy and, and supportive of, of those organizations that are really aggressive. Um, and, um, you know, we try to take the, the more pragmatic approach most of the times, but there's certain decisions that, you know, we certainly, and all of our members wouldn't be thrilled if we didn't sit, if we sat in our hands. So, you know, there's a legal side too, you know, so we, we challenge, we're still active uh, against LADWP in the model basin, if you can believe that. There's a settlement agreement in 2013 that we've been fighting since then. And, um, you know, there's certain partners that, you know, we try to work with. But if it comes push comes to shove, I think that California has a pretty robust set of laws that we can use. So uh, out of like the Caltra war chest, you know, in terms of, um, of money, how much that goes into legal and how much goes into, you know, projects? 
Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, the vast majority is projects. Okay. You know, so we, you know, that's that's, that's the bread and butter. I'm, trying to get a sense, I'm just trying to get a yeah. sense for like where you know what most of the efforts spent on. That's why you guys pick the fights. You know, you can basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that's fun. right. And so, yeah. Do you ever get situations where um, you you kind of like uh, class action is the wrong way to put it, but just basically combine legal resources with other entities that are, have alignment with you guys in yeah. terms of what you're trying to push through. River yeah. Partners would probably be one of those, maybe? No? You know, they give us their their huge support as a Caltrout. I mean, our missions align in so many ways, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, we haven't we haven't entered any litigation with River Partners specifically, but, you know, we do have, um, you know, we have ongoing litigation right now where we're challenging a Clean Water Act uh, decision. The EPA um, rules these days have been pretty brutal on California and the rest of the country. And one particular decision, which is um, the states have the right to uh, oversee all Clean Water Act 401 certifications. And what that essentially means is states have the right to protect their own home waters, mm-hmm. uh, especially from hydro projects and gas pipelines. And um, the EPA is trying to take that authority away. And so we're joining Earth Justice um, and a, a few other partners, uh, NGO partners, to, to fight it at uh, the federal level. So we definitely enter into... You know, litigation with partners when when it makes sense to, and so that litigation is also um, joined by the state of California as well as twenty other states. So it's well, what's that, your what's your guys' read on it? Is it you know do? Whoa, that wasn't me. That was <laughs> creeping up onto a branch. But, but how do you think that's going to go? Yeah, it's a great question. So we fought. <laughs> we petitioned the Supreme Court on the same decision based on a earlier court proceeding. But this is a rulemaking proceeding. So this is the EPA um, basically making this decision that's entirely, you know, focused on the appointees that are just not super pumped about, you know, any type of regulation that curtails business. And so the head of the EPA was a lobbyist, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For oil and gas. Um, So, you know, we're hoping that this decision carries through to the next administration. And we're hopefully pretty confident it's going to be someone else that's in charge now. Um, but it is a, it's a long shot, but what it does now is it, um, you know, it stops this rule from affecting California in a couple different ways. When we had California legislature actually follow up or actually preempt our, our court case by stating that they're not going to really abide by that rule. And so that was a big kind of showing of support from California and California, frankly, I think we're pretty lucky to be in a state that really wants to protect its natural resources and we'll put some, you know, legal money, even in tough times behind it. So. I think we'll be, I think we'll be okay in California. It's a dangerous precedent. It's going to have bad rulings throughout the country. It's going to have some negative effects for sure. It's got to be tough just juggling. I mean, from one, um, you know, leadership to another, just juggling all the different things that get thrown at you. As you know, as far as as far as that goes, I mean, just with the EPA and all that. I mean, it's got. Does that is that hard? I mean, is that something that you're constantly dealing with? Is just the the changes and and law and yeah what political push is being thrown at you yeah yeah it is and it's so much of it i mean once you get you know you kind of lift the curtain and you're you know meeting with representatives and lobbyists that kind of thing it's you know it's a pretty it's a pretty brutal game you know right. and there's a there's definitely a lot of you know personal relationships and moving pieces that affect it but one thing Caltrout does is remain committed to our mission and core and mm-hmm. you know we build those relationships over time especially on the state level um so we feel like we can have those real conversations and kind of read the tea leaves a little bit, which I think is, you know, really important. So it's tough, but, um, 
you know, the work needs to be done. And, you know, they're great. They're great politicians out there. You know, it's hard to say out loud, but it's true. Right. Once in a while, you get a good one. (laughs) That's pretty cool. That speaks a lot about, I mean, just Caltrout, just in general. You know, I think a lot of our listeners, they'll look at a stream or, you know, a restoration project and and they just don't think about all that. You know, there's just so much behind the scenes that goes on that you guys are doing. And um, so it's kind of cool to hear to hear some of this. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, obviously I'm biased because it's my life's work, really, yeah. but um, it's, uh, I think it's really, I think it's Im- impressive. And what I like about Caltrout is that, you know, I get to pick up the phone or tra- travel to, you know, Eureka and, you know, meet with, you know, our director up there, um, our North Coast director, who's a, you know, um, biology degree, you know, incredible uh, scientist and just has the ability to, to really teach me a ton about our ecosystems. And that's what really informs all the policy and legal work we do you know it's it's really all backed up by that foundation and you know it's an amazing education for me to to learn about you know how our you know ecosystems work and yeah and operate i mean that's one of the reasons i like doing this podcast so much is is we get to you know we get to talk to biologists we get to talk to folks like you and i've learned a ton in four and a half years and you know we get emails constantly that people that listen are like this is, you know, it's, they, they learn too. So we're kind of all learning together. It's a lot of fun. Um, one thing I was going to ask you is, is pretty much everybody that's in Caltrout also pretty passionate about fishing because yeah, I, good really, question. I it, when I, when we offered you to, 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 if, you know, as a carrot to come down and we could stripe or fish, you jumped all over it. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, cool. So, um, we always try to, pref- we, we prefer to do these in person if we can. Um, it's been tough the last, you know, six months for obvious reasons, but we're, we're maintaining social distancing and all that, that, those protocols. But, um, it's pretty much everybody at Caltrout kind of a fish nerd. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, it's a good question. I mean, the answer is no, not everyone, right. you know, I mean, I've had, uh, you know, we, we have an amazing staff that's passionate about the work, certainly, you know, yeah. passionate about fish for a number of reasons, but I, I remember a, uh, uh, a good work retreat we had, you know, it was getting later in the night and we all had some beer, wine or whatever everyone, whatever everyone was drinking. What's this right in front of us? Something busted. Oh, man. All right, good. We're poised. Get a grab a rod. No, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, not at all. No, it's in, I, I got distracted by it too. But, um, you know, we talked to, you know, we t- were shooting the shit and, um, uh, you know, the conversation about fishing came up and everyone had their fishing story, et cetera. And then there was one, you know, uh, you know, PhD and, and that person, uh, just flat out was like, so how do you all justify going out there and hooking fish and just torturing them and bringing them in slowly and then just letting them free? Like it's some kind of game. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> the only answer I had is that I don't think I'd be in this position, you know, trying to, what I might, in my mind is fighting the good fight without having that connection with fish, mm-hmm. you know, but so, but there's definitely a range of opinions. It's hard to argue uh, with that stance, you know. It was the last episode <laughs> of Yellowstone. The, the, are you guys watching that at all? Yellowstone? Uh, I've heard good things. Yeah, it's it's a cool series. They're, the gal on there just starts ripping this guy for torturing trout. It's pretty funny. <laughs> she's she's one of the better actors on the show. She does, does uh, Beth, Beth, I think is her name. Anyway, talk, talk to us about uh, Potter Valley and, and Klamath Dams. I know that's kind of a, um, a hot topic and... A lot of people want to know, you know, where we sit on, on the removal of those of those dams. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll start with with Klamath. There was a recent decision that came out, um, and that's been a, a project for 20 years that Caltrout's been involved with, and it keeps inching closer to completion. And um, you know, there's an incredible organization that will oversee the removal of the dams, and um, 
you know, there's a, a federal entity that basically, you know, lords over all hydropower projects in the country. And they basically came out with a statement recently that that moved the project forward towards dam removal, which is great, um, but required that one of the or the utility Pacific Core, um, which those folks in Northern California and, and, and Southern Oregon, you know, that's where they get their power. Um, and that's who owns the dam. They're basically have to be part of the deal until it's removed. The, the federal government basically said, um, sure, remove these dams, but we want to make sure you have enough money to do it. So that was the most in, that was the most recent ruling on Klamath. It shouldn't be that much of a hiccup. Um, but, you know, we're slated for removal, you know, should Pacific Core continue on the track for about 2022. So that's going to be the biggest dam removal in, in the world. You know, wow. so that's going to be because there's so many because there's a couple of them. That there's are four down. dams yeah. and it's just, you know, it's the, the large amount of, you know, it's going to be a huge amount of water opened up um, and four large dams removed. So it's going to be huge. Is there like a lot of interest from the international scientific community on 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 this project? There's, it seems like there would be, especially if it's the first one. Yeah, because if you know, if we're if we're transitioning to, say, wind and solar and, and possibly a better managed nuclear option mm-hmm. um which i think we are um and end of life in you know petro and 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 hydro um it seems like this is kind of the case study yeah. of case studies the, it's a viability test really right yep um i would it, there's are there a lot of people from the international community that are interested in it yeah there are yeah i mean it's going to be i mean you know it's going to be a case study where environmental students in high school forward are going to be reading in their textbooks. I mean, it is a so landmark cool. decision. Yeah, it's going to be in our backyard. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. I mean, yeah, it's it really is. So that's that's huge. And you got Native Americans right in the middle of it. And I'm sure that makes it. Yeah, the Yurok and the Karuker. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, they're four dams. They're four dams. Mm-hmm. Why is this? Um, you know, there's just a series of of. Um, a series of structures that were built just to, to operate hydro there. Just but to, they would rather have the dam than not have it. Oh, um, that's what I'm asking. What what is the opposition saying? Uh, are the, the Native Americans want the dams? They oh no 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 removed. no! They 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 want them removed. right? Yeah, they want yeah. dam removed. Yeah, they want the dam the dams removed. Yeah, it's going to be a big. Um, I mean, we think, and you see case studies on the Elwa. Yeah. Um, it's a great example of, yep. of fisheries coming right back. Yeah, and certainly smaller systems when you remove a barrier. I mean, that's. You know, it's amazing that these, you know, salmonids, you know, have these genetic markers where they'll just go right back to it. I mean, they see that cold water and they go right back to it. Yeah, John McMillan was talking about steelhead you know, or trout that were trapped above that dam actually helped, you know, bring some of those steelhead back. The genetics in those trout yeah. spawning actually, you know, and it's amazing to think about. Um, yeah, the genetics. And are I have incredible. no doubt that removing of those dams on the clam it's like going to do this them in, a, in a time capsule almost yeah, yeah. well there's yeah. huge trout if you go f- all the way up into the headwaters of that the, of, of the klamath i mean there's huge trout up there and i mean oh yeah in those spring creeks yeah yeah what do you think those huge trout yeah i mean they're right. just they're landlocked steelhead yeah that's what they are yep exactly yeah. it's uh, it'll be it'll be interesting what's the what was the utility what was the company that has to be involved pacific core pacific core yeah warren buffett's company Okay. Are, are they there just to kind of for maintenance purposes still until it's done? Yeah, it's basically like if you massively screw up dam removal and it's way more expensive, they're going to have to cover the the that end of the deal. But right now, the the nonprofit that was set up to remove the dams, they have four hundred million dollars. What are they? What's Pacific Core doing to offset the wattage? Yeah, it's a really good question because they were actually still making money on this. Yeah. Um, 
the bottom line for them is they have enough wattage, um, but they were still making money on that power. But uh-huh. the cost, um, you know, they were going to have to remove those dams or put a fish ladder above those dams through federal regulations, one uh-huh. of the two, and it was just cheaper to remove them. Okay. Especially when you have a whole series of folks like us trying to raise those funds for them. So, uh, I mean, it's a win-win. It's just, it's it's a huge regulatory burden to get there. Do you guys feel like um, if this goes smooth, smooth being, one, all the legal barriers out of the way, mm-hmm. two, the physical barriers out of the way, and three, the returns come, which is the whole point of this project to begin with. Yeah. Do you feel like that's kind of like the catalyst for kind of a domino effect on other other say on the edge of not having a good profit margin for a, a you know a, a particular dam that's got you know it's it's there to make money will they fast will these projects get fast tracked for dam removal has there been talk about that as yeah, long as people absolutely. are affected right i mean that's going to be first and foremost if there's water for people that are is involved it's going to be tough to get some of those places definitely know, true. removed but yeah but there's a lot of legal precedent and and just legal I guess strategy that you guys are probably formulating with this mm-hmm. this case that's going to be kind of like your playbook for, for sure. anything else in the future, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we're using this, you know, and you know, this is well before my time to start it. We're using it right now in the in what would be the second largest dam removal, which is the Eel River. Um, you know, the Potter Valley project is a project that I've been working on since I started with Cal Trout. Um, that project is in uh, just north of Ukiah. It's it's basically sits at the headwaters of the Eel River, um, and the project diverts water from the Eel River to the Russian River, mm-hmm. underneath, like, a, essentially a mountain range. Mm-hmm. So it's been removing that water for, you know, a, a hundred years. So it's been diverting 60,000. Yeah, it's oh. amazing. Yeah, our partners just walked Isn't through it. Isn't it nuts that they had the technology to do that back then? It blows my how mind. Many, how many skeletons are under that fucking mountain? <laughs> it's crazy. They just walked through it. <laughs> it's got to be a ton. <laughs> they literally, it's, it's redwood... Uh, it's a redwood tube, you know, it's like that, slats of redwood propped up with rocks in the bottom and it's okay. in immaculate condition. Apparently they just walked through it because part of the project is maintaining that diversion. Um, but it's immaculate, but the project itself, big reservoir sits the headwater of the eel blocking 300, 280 linear river miles of salmon and habitat. Dude, and it's can, cold, clean water up there. When they pull that pipeline out, they can just basically cover the cost of the dam removal with that material. Yeah, seriously. Wood. Yeah, are you kidding seriously. me? Sell that in San Francisco, oh go for a fortune. God. Yeah. <laughs> the reclaim wood community is going to go nuts. When's, Absolutely. When's scheduled to be removed? So we're just in the start of this one, and we're, we're trying to take you know, pages out the playbook for Klamath. Yeah, um, yeah, that's cool. But the interesting part about that project is Cal Trout is actually with four other partners, which are Sonoma Water Agency, a large water agency, um, you know, part of in Sonoma County, Mendocino County Inland Water Power Commission, which is the JPA of a lot of little irrigation districts What's in there. It's like a, it's a, it's basically a legal entity. So okay. it's, you know, five water districts that are, that are put together um, okay. that, you know, have a huge stake in where that water goes after it gets shoved out of the eel. Um, Humboldt County is involved, and then um, Round Valley Indian Tribes, um, which are great partners of ours. And we basically are – we put an application to buy the dam. And so the goal here is to negotiate PG, with pg e to give us some money, and we'll remove the dams and take it off their hands. Wow. So it's definitely the next domino effect in the, the utilities not being able to run hydro projects. Yeah, we've got um, – correct, it's Butte Creek, right, where the, their dam is, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like – under FERC relicensing and all this stuff, and they're trying to. Oh, yeah. It seems like it's being played, hot potatoes being played with it somewhat. 
but um, we, we're kind of in a situation where this thing's end of life also, and that's not making it's actually costing money as far as I, mm-hmm. my understanding is. And the big problem is that it provides a lot of cold water for the for, salmon to yeah, remove, for, you know, getting rid of it. And they're trying to figure yeah, out what is, to do. This is one where it's kind of a weird issue. Oh, yeah, is, totally. Is going back to Klamath, is $400 million, is that enough to do what they need to do? Yeah, we, we think so. We think yeah. it's enough. You know, and so we think that Pacific Corps will go along with it. We think the precedent's there to make, and it makes sense to me. I mean, utilities should pay for their failed projects, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they put them, they put them together, they block these rivers. Like, why should the state of California and, you know, all these environmentalists put up a huge amount of money right. in order to take these big problem facilities off their hands? So I, I get the precedent. Uh, it makes sense to me. It may make things more challenging, but at the end of the day, you know, on Potter Valley, it's PG&E, you know? Who doesn't think PG&E should pay for the problems they create? That's a pretty easy statement. You know, they're the bad guys um, on a number of issues, you know. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's you know, to your point of and your question on if this is kind of a domino effect, there are 1,400 dams in California. You know, a huge amount were built during the, you know, either the um, uh, right after the Great Depression, you know, in the New Deal age, you know, in the 1960s, there's another huge dam building phase. And these dams are at the end of their life cycle. You know, they, no one provided for the costs associated with their removal when, you know, every dam has a life cycle based on sediment piling up behind it and just mm-hmm. the stress. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a big problem in California moving forward. Yeah, the sediment, um, it seems like to me the sediment would be a, one of the biggest issues in, in terms of cost to remove a dam. Just, oh, yeah. Just like the yeah. conveyance of that, that material downstream or wherever the hell they put it. Yeah. Is that the case? Oh, yeah, it's wild. I mean, we're looking at, so we've done, on Potter Valley, you know, specifically, we've done like two years worth of studies to figure out what's behind the dam, um, you know, how much it would cost to remove it, you know, the options for sediment removal. And the sediment removal things are just absurd. I mean, you hear like, you know, I mean, there's, so there's about like 12 million to 16 million cubic yards behind uh, the uh, uh, dam at Lake Pillsbury. Okay, so help me like visualize what a cubic yard looks like. Yeah, so it's three by three by three, you know, feet. Think about that okay, cube. Okay. And think about how that 12 million of those. 12 million. And then think about how many truckloads that would take. I mean, it's something like 10 straight years of nonstop truckloads to, like, remove that from from that. You oh, know? okay. That helps me better. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So that was a dumb question. What's no, a, what's a no. It's, I had to sit there and um, be like, so But, yeah, I'm great. trying to, like, when we talk <laughs> about acre feet of water, you know, that's an, we always say it's a foot deep and a, a football field. Yeah, a volume, mm-hmm. right? And that you immediately understand that, so that helps. Like what did you said, ten years to remove it? With yeah, truck just by truckload by truckload, nonstop. So I mean, it's how do they get rid of it in less than ten years? Well, the good thing about the Eel River specifically um, is that it's you know one of the highest sediment yields of any river in the world. I mean, it's amazing how much sediment flushes down that river. So it's actually not a huge amount comparatively, what? you know, at the total right. load. And then you know because that system was augmented when they put that dam up, there's you know, certain areas that, you know, we could move that sediment. Mm-hmm. There's existing, um, you know, areas between, you know, tributaries where it makes total sense to kind of pile that sediment that was already okay. located there and kind of like revegetate that area. And then it'll eventually kind of just wash. Yeah. Out. Either revegetate and create like a natural like channel where, where it actually yeah. would sit 
or, you know, slowly flush down the river. And then do they dynamite these things? Like, do you literally just go in and blow it open? Open like a demolition? Piece by piece, probably. That's the question I get 100% most often. And it's, I hope so. Like, I just want to see that thing totally blown up. It would be cool, but it just seems like logistically it'd be a nightmare. Yeah. You basically notch it it slowly. So you start from the top and then slowly take it apart. Oh, I see. I know. It's a sad answer. They just jackhammer (laughs) down, 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 down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I wish that we just blew it up in a fantastic will way. It, will it be like when they pull it out? Will it go past the the footing? Like, does is there a footing on a dam? I assume there. It is. depends on depends on like you subterranean know, which... like built in, or they just kind of shear it off at the at the the base bedrock and, and call it good. It totally depends on on the engineering and the dam. You know, you get okay. you get kind of rubble built dams that are smaller, and then you get you know ones that have serious yeah. you know foundations. What a, what a crazy job, man. I know. Well, the engineers talk, you talked to are wild. We talked about that once, I think, with Inglebright, and there was an issue with to- toxins in that sediment. There was gold and mercury buildup. Mercury. mercury is a huge one. If yeah. there's mining on that watershed, I assume. So that when you were talking about trucking all that stuff around on the eel, I assume it's just not an issue over there. There's none of that. No, mercury is there's naturally no occurring. over there, right? You know, not so much mine, but there's actually, I mean, there's a literal mercury dam. I mean, not dam, excuse me, uh, uh, mine there. Uh, historic hmm. mercury mine. So, yeah, that they brought over for Yuba, probably. It's, you know, there's a number of reasons why they use that. We were yeah. told they, they wagoned oh. over tons of mercury for the yeah. Yuba River. Yeah, for gold mining. Slug, mm-hmm. sluice, sluice boxes, mm-hmm. I think they call them. Yeah, and it's also, uh, mercury is naturally, naturally occur, uh, mm-hmm. occurring all throughout the coastal range. Yeah, the coastal range, that's right. That's yeah, where they brought it they from. Yeah, yep. and so you get these naturally occurring elements, but, you know, every all of our research that we've done, luckily, that was one of our biggest concerns, that we do sediment sampling, and it would be you know a super fun site you know it's going to cost billions of dollars to to fix but luckily it's not the case so it's you know there's mercury back there and it will have to be treated in some respects some of the sediment but you know it's doable and then they so well do they have to like divert around the dam before they actually start to remove the dam yeah like a temporary you know back channel or something you know we're still pretty early on in the engineering on that um so um you know we've had multiple you know, dam removal studies on this. Um, and, you know, it really will depend on what, you know, our final engineering, where it, it's going to be safety first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So t- potentially we'll have an initial diversion. You know, they've done that in a number of dam structures throughout California. And I assume every job's a little different just because of topology of that, that area and all that. Absolutely. And every engineer has a different opinion too. That's yeah, a tough part about going through all the consultants. So what's your guess on, uh, you said Clam- Clamus 2022? That's what we're hoping for. And what's your guess on Potter? Yeah, you know all these dam processes take take everything a long yeah, time. Long. So I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say ten years, and then in ten years you all can get back to me and make fun of me for saying that. Okay. But that's well, what I'm gonna say. In ten years we can you know hopefully take advantage of some of the killer steelhead fishing that's gonna be. Ah, that's the dream. That's gonna be happening. Yeah. Up there, right? Or maybe we can actually blow that thing up and we can actually get a real explosion. That's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Somebody might do it. Yeah, exactly. You, with the way things are going right now. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. That's. It sounds like you are going to be busy for the rest of your life in dealing yeah. with water in yeah. California. I hope that's so. Pretty, that's pretty cool, man. Well, we were also talking about um, COVID, in you know, in the context of um, you know what you guys are up to and how that's affected things. Yeah. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit, just like the, f- the future and the uncertainty of, of COVID and what that means? Yeah, absolutely. For anglers and conservation in general, basically. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, 
you know, it's obviously the whole world's changed in the last four months. It's been pretty, pretty wild to see. And we were entering this, you know, going back to the policy side, we were entering this year, super hopeful that we get a, you know, a seven plus billion dollar bond that would all be about natural resources and water. You know, that was going to be, um, huge chunks of funding for restoration throughout California. You know, that's how California funds its restoration work, which is probably unhealthy through these large bond efforts that you all see on your, you know, would have seen on the November ballot, you know, with, uh, with some proposition marking. Um, and we started going into this year with a $5.6 billion surplus for California. And now we're looking at two years and a 50 over the next two 50. years. Yeah. 54.3 billion dollar deficit. You know, that's the projections. And so, I mean, just by that, you know, those numbers alone, you can imagine that, you know, the environmental con- uh, community is pretty concerned. But, you know, we've done um, in the conservation community, the whole on Caltrout has, has been a, a big part of it, has, has made sure that California Department of Fish and Wildlife remains, you know, as well funded as possible. Um, you know, there's been a few wins. Um, you know, there's a there's a bill out there that uh, hopes to pr- uh, preserve 30 percent of California. Um by 2030, which is a great goal, uh, just preservation of a, a huge amount of, um, you know, systems throughout California. They're specifically looking at, um, you know, the same great Gabriel mountains above LA, you know, which is, you know, maybe not our top concern among anglers, but really important to have that outdoor community for, you know, people in LA. I think that's, you know, if conservation is going to continue in California, we're going to have to get everyone out there, not just mm-hmm. people that live in rural communities, right. um, which is great. Um, you know, the Los Padres, which is, again, is in kind of central Southern California, Inland Ventura is where it is. Um, and then a couple of places in the North coast. So that's a, that's a lofty goal. And there's still, there's still minor wins. We're still getting a lot of money for the environment through prop 64, which is the, uh, legalization of marijuana. Uh, so there's How a does huge, that work exactly? yeah. So, uh, 20% of the taxes associated with cultivation and, um, you know, recreational purchase go to the environment. I did not know that. Yeah. So every time anyone's stopping in at a local dispensary, you're, you're helping out the environment. So keep that it up. That kind of helps offset all the illegal growths that are sucking water off these smaller trucks. Maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. offset it. Yeah, totally. I mean, so that fund in particular, we, we just got a million bucks from the Department of Fish and Wildlife, Caltrout did, to um, uh, to work on our dam removal project in the Eel River because of the negative effects of, um, you know, pot growing on, on the Eel River. So mm-hmm. there's definitely some good to that, and there's still recurring funding going yeah. to that. People are still smoking we, weed. We've talked about the negative effects of pot uh, illegal grows on these trips, or yeah. on these, even the main stems a lot on the show, but we haven't covered it in a while and we add new listeners all the time. So can we briefly just kind of frame the, the issue there with these yeah. illegal grows? Yeah. The issue is, you know, before they were regulated and, and in a lot of cases still to this day, you know, pot growers would set up illegal grows in um, a lot of places in Humboldt County, um, you know, Mendocino um, areas that really aren't great for growing anything. Um, but are great at hiding or, you know, great places to hide large farms. And what they do is they basically, you know, stick a pipe into any water system, um, attach it to a pump and then, you know, suck that water out of the river. Or and when it move, returns or even move land around to, to benefit their, their yeah. grow. Yeah. And flatten then, land, you know, yeah, and, and then the chemicals they're using for cultivation purposes, yep. run off, go back into the water, the nitrates, right. Go up mm-hmm. and then that creates algae. And I think, oxygen right is the yep. main, is the thing it does it messes with the dissolved oxygen content yeah it's a it really disastrous and especially a lot of tributaries of you know the eel river uh russian river uh all throughout california yeah 
And so that's why that, um, you know, we fought hard to make sure that a good portion of that tax funding, you know, goes to the environment because it's, you know, it's not just about, you know, regulating those grows and making sure they comply with those laws. It's about, you know, actually, you know, going in there and using that funds to, to fix the problem. And we, we've covered this in a couple episodes. So if you go back in the, in the archives, you'll, you'll find that if you want to learn more there. Well, when you talk about COVID too, I mean, there's going to be a direct impact with every people losing their jobs and going back into that industry and, you know, taking advantage of, of the system again. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. there's going to be a, a lot more grows probably going on over the next couple of years. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, the black market in general. Yeah. I mean, there's people doing nails out of their back door. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, it's an interesting thing. The regulation of that is, is, I would not envy, you know, that, that job to figure out exactly how you bring that, you know, that illegal market into regulation. It's tough. It's a lot of hard issues with that. Right. You just gotta, it's gotta be legalized across, across the U S if, as long as there's a, a, a state to export it, there's always going to be a market for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with that, especially if it continues to bring funding back to the environment. Yeah. Yeah, and the rest of the COVID stuff, I mean, you know, it's it's all about, you know, how big this recession is, um, you know, but right now we're focusing on uh, trying to get those regulations that, you know, protect, you know, larger swaths of California. I think right now it's tough to get anything passed monetarily, um, but people still have an appetite, maybe more than ever, to get outside and enjoy, you know, the amazing, especially in California, the amazing natural resources we have. So um, we're supporting bills on the federal side, uh, Senator uh, Kamala Harris. Um, you know, who knows, Vamy VP, uh, Kamala Harris. Um, Very good chance. Yeah. Um, is uh, is putting a public lands act bill, uh, which, you know, is, is similar to protecting 30% of California, but it, it protects about a million um, uh, acres of, of California land and about 500 uh, river miles. And so, you know, we're supportive of that in the federal side. And, um, you know, there's definitely positives that come out of it. It's going to be a lot more protections and a lot more smaller regulatory changes rather than you know, a bumper crop of funding for, for restoration projects. That'll be interesting. Yeah, it will be. I think, I think that, you know, you can, I think you can slide a lot by right now and try to try to focus on the rule making changes in the regulatory side Mm -hmm. uh, during times of economic struggle. So, right. You know, we're still lucky to have a really supportive super majority of really environmental Democrats in California. Mm -hmm. So good news for all, for all us that like to get outside. Well, speaking of getting outside, should we get back on the on the water, throwing some flies, or what else do we want? We had something else we want to talk about. Well, I was going to ask you: Is there anything that we didn't ask that we should have asked, or that you'd like to talk about before we wrap it and go try and bang some striper in the last hour, or two hours of light? No, I mean I think that you know um, I think the best thing we can do for you know during all this is just you know anytime you can get outside and get get yourself in the water like we're doing right now really <laughs> preserves your you know your uh your mental facilities and gives a little break so what you, know, you really mean to say is get online go on to caltrout's <laughs> website and become a member right yeah is there we you? go <laughs> nicely said nicely said that doesn't hurt either yeah we're definitely here fighting the good fight and as much support as we can get you know i think it's i think it's better for for everyone in california well, thank you for doing the work you're doing yeah we need it definitely I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. For sure. Well, it won't be the last time. I, I feel like you're going to be, uh, like I said earlier, we're, we're going to be reading a lot about you and things that you're going to be doing for Caltrout and our, our 
our fisheries. So look forward to seeing more yeah. of that and having you back on to talk about it. Yeah, so. I appreciate it. Anytime. It's been a lot we of fun. Need to, we need to get you a picture of you holding a barbless hat. A oh, fit, yeah. A fish with the hat? I mean, holding the fish, holding the, <laughs> the barbless. We can we can accomplish the barbless. That's, that's an easy one. And speaking of hats, we have them on the store. So if you guys go to gear.barbless.co, you can pull down a hat that helps support the show, pay the editor, and keep this train rolling. Thank you guys for listening. Leave us a rating if you are so inclined of five stars. Thank you. <laughs> Nick, anything else? No, it sounds good. Let's go rip some fish. <laughs> Special thanks to our sponsors. Without them, this show would not be possible. Like this episode? Leave a review. Grab some gear or become a Patreon supporter. Links are in this episode's description. This show is part of the Barbless Podcast Network. For sponsorship inquiries or general questions, please email fishon at barbless.co. No better, fish better. This has been an AMP Audio Production.